Welcome to the Underrated Thoughts Sports Podcast, the thoughts you don't usually think of. I am your host, Colin Carruthers. Stay up to date with every episode by following our social medias, Twitter at ProfessionalUTP and Instagram at ProfessionalUnderratedThoughts. Hope you enjoy. Let's see what the sports world has for us today. Good day, good day. Thank you for joining the pod. It is February 7th. So happy Super Bowl Sunday to everyone. Um, Today's agenda, we've got some Super Bowl talk. Who we think is going to win? Some nice little festivities around. Who do I think is going to be Elite Eight bound for the college basketball March Madness tournament coming up in a month? And then we may even throw some MLB love in there. Talk about the best offseason so far. Um. Before we start, though, in case you're curious, the five main sports I will talk about on here is going to be MLB, NFL, um, college basketball, college baseball, and college football. I'm not too big of an NBA guy. I may talk about it a little bit, but that's your warning. If you're coming here for NBA, you're not getting any of it. <laughs> Maybe some playoff stuff, but, you know, not not much NBA Stuff to go around for me here. Um, so, of course, Super Bowl Sunday, no better way to start than talking about the the Super Bowl. Of course, Super Bowl 55 between the Chiefs and the Bucks. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and we will not be calling him the baby goat here. He's not the baby goat. Um, all props to Jackson on that. Baby goat would be Lamar Jackson, but, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is, is better. But we, it's, it's it's a name thing. It's whatever. Um, this one's harder to decide because I've been against the Bucks all year. I've been rooting against them. I've been, I've been one of the quote unquote modern day terms haters of the Bucks. I mean, I I don't really like the Bucks, and I'm not even gonna call them the Bucks. Is honestly, they're not the Tampa Bay Bucks. They're just. I mean, they're just a bunch of free agents coming around, coming together. I mean, they've got their core together, of course. They've got, I mean, Godwin, Mike Evans, and you get you get the point. But I mean, this isn't a true Bucks team. All of a sudden, they found all this money from somewhere and just threw it out there. They got Tom Brady, Gronk, Antonio Brown. I mean, you, they got all their draft picks. This isn't really a Bucks team, in my opinion. This is just a bunch of dudes who came together to form this pretty solid team. And I honestly didn't think they were going to make it this far, so. That they, they're proving me wrong already, which I don't know why everyone against Tom Brady, but I mean, I went with my gut and it was wrong. But my thoughts going into this game is completely changed. It's like, how do you how do you go against them right now? And still, they're having everyone play. It was confirmed, I think, yesterday. That um all the dudes who were questionable for the Bucks are going to play today, and then you look at the the Chiefs. They have um of course Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. If you didn't know, Patrick Mahomes almost got COVID. Um, one of the barbers that was doing their haircuts got COVID, and they immediately pulled him. Patrick Mahomes is about to get his haircut from them, and so he was saved from that. Thank God. We'll actually get to see him play. Get a good. Good Super Bowl game. No, I mean, this is a hard one to decide. You, I can't 
really go either way, but I think I've, I've already made up my mind. And I got to go with the Chiefs, even though they've got a few extra dudes out due to COVID and some injuries compared to the Bucks. I mean, Andy Reid's not an awful coach when you really think about it. He, he, he's a pretty decent, he's a pretty good coach. He's, he's way better than Bruce Arians. Um, that's obvious. But when you get that stud backfield on the offensive side for Kansas City, you've got Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. So you, you, you get my, you get my idea. And then you have their, their, they have a solid defense too. You see, I mean, the Bucks are going to score against them. They're going to, they're going to score quite a bit. I don't see this being a low scoring game unless this ends up being a Patriots Rams game where the two best offenses can't score, which would be mind boggling. I don't see that happening. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a big scoring game. I mean, the defense, I don't. I don't believe in the Bucks defense as much. That's really where I'm getting getting with this. I don't believe in the Bucks defense as much as I believe in Kansas City's defense against Tom Brady. Tom Brady did not have a great week against Green Bay. Um, he still he still did fine, and like two out of those three picks that he had weren't his fault. But if you want to win a Super Bowl, he knows. See, you can't you can't throw three picks. Whether they're your fault or not, that's not especially against Kansas City teams going to drive it down your throat. It's just not going to work. It's not going to happen. I got to go with the Chiefs here. I'm kind of rooting for the Chiefs and against the the Bucks all year. Sticking with it, not much I got to say behind it. It's it's just a really hard pick to make. How do you go against Brady? But it's it's going to be a close game. It's going to be good. It's going to be like last year, um, where the Chiefs came back. Against the 49ers. I don't think it's going to be that. I think it's going to be a little higher scoring than that. Not too much. But um, it, it should be a great game. And I, I see the pass game for the Chiefs really winning it for them. If they can get some good pass plays, get some good yardage on those, a few drives in the game, I think they'll be fine as long as keeping their run game alive. But you can't keep, you got to keep both of them alive for this game on both sides of the ball. Otherwise, I mean, You've got a decent Bucks defense and a, and a pretty solid Chiefs defense. You've got to keep them both alive. You've got to keep them both on their toes or else you're not going to get any yards at all. And if you keep both sides going with the run, run and pass, you'll be fine. And I think Andy Reid's going to be good enough, good enough to get the right plays in there at the right times. And I think, I think we're going to see a few trick plays tonight. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw a few. I mean, they're not major trick plays. I think maybe. Maybe one or two decent ones. Um, and then again, I just, and then with the Bucks offense, I haven't believed in them all year. They've looked pretty solid. If they get out on a run, the only thing they've really gotten out on a run this year is, is, is Green Bay. They did twice. They got out on a run on them early and they slowed down. And that's the only way they can beat the Chiefs. They have to get on a run now, immediately. And I just, I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're able to do that immediately. I think it's going to be a slower start for both teams, really. I think it's not going to be the fastest start. But, you know, um, I I don't think the Chiefs will be scoring on the first drive, maybe second drive. But that, that second, third drive, you're, you're going to see some points up on the board for them. And they're going to start exploding out. And as soon as they get off out of the gates racing, 
you know, um, like the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> as soon as the Chiefs get out the gates and get running, I mean, they'll be fine, and I think they explode out, and if they can get two extra stops in the Bucks, I mean, that's how you win, duh, you get extra stops, but, I mean, the Bucks will not be able to explode as well as them. I just don't see that offense going off tonight. I just don't feel it. They can. They've got Godwin. They've got Evans. And they can spread the ball out. They've got Hornet. So they can explode out there. I just don't think they... I just don't think they have, have, have the stuff tonight. I think the Chiefs overpower them with their overly sacked offense and defense. Overly sacked team. I mean, this this is a powerhouse. This is not fair, but I mean, you've got Tom Brady and nothing's fair against Tom Brady. So I still think it's going to be a great game, but I just, I just think the Chiefs will overpower them with their weapons and how fast they explode out the gates. That's where I'm. That's where I'm coming from. But then again, we um, we felt a rough year, 2020. Um, but you can see a lot of great things coming out of that year. How much to appreciate things and whatnot. I don't want to get into that, but you know, we want to get back to some normalcy. And one of those normalcies is betting on the national anthem of the Super Bowl, which of course is later today. Um, this is my first time ever really looking at it, so I just want to have some fun with it. The line this year is at two minutes. I think that's the first time since 2013 it's been so high, I think I read. Which almost surprises me, but three of the past four years have been in the under. But of course, who knows? Um, this year we've got it between Jasmine Sullivan and Eric Church. Jasmine Sullivan's an R&B artist, and then Eric Church, of course, country. Um, honestly, when I think of Eric Church singing, because I know him a little bit better, I just I just feel like this is going to be under. I really feel like this is going to be a quick one. Like snap. I, I can see it going over, like, but two minutes, I feel like it's going to be too long for this. I feel like we're going to get a pretty short national anthem. Eric Church is going to bust it out real quick, and, and they'll be done pretty quick. So I'm going to go with the under today, um, and we'll just see how that plays out. See, that's the most important part of the game for betters in, in Las Vegas, the national anthem, that and the coin flip. See, see, you know how crazy we are when, when we when we start betting on coin flips and national anthem times, and, and we, we find everything. What color shoes are someone wearing? I mean, we'll bet on the, the craziest stuff in the world, but you... It is what it is. Do what you want with your money. You can throw it out the window for all I care. I mean, props to you. Um, so as I said, next, <laughs> um, college basketball has been a great start to this season. Great. I mean, we, we have seen some teams been out for forever, including UC, um, native to Cincinnati I am. So, you know, I've been able to see that UC was on a huge hiatus. Was gone for forever, and um, of course they finally came back last night and won against ooh, the Temple. I almost said St. John's, which is of course the Big East, not the American. Um, so yeah, they beat Temple in a great game. They almost pissed the ball, the pissed the game away. They tried as it was like they were trying to give the game away. It was like here, shoot the ball for a last second shot. Oh, you didn't make it. We're going to give it right back. It was. I mean, they played great until the very end, and 
still battled, so it is what it is. But I mean, we yeah, of course, we've seen a lot of teams, including Baylor. Baylor's on a hiatus right now, but I feel like we've done great this year with being able to get teams playing. And what we've seen is kind of similar to college football. Um, there's a lot of great teams coming out of quote-unquote nowhere. I'm going to say quote-unquote nowhere because really these teams have been great for years. Like When you go back looking at college football and you look at BYU, who everyone thought was like a top five team for, for so long, it was like they've been good for a while. Maybe it wasn't that good. That BYU team is the best BYU team forever. But BYU's been good for a few years. You've seen them upset a lot of top 15 teams in the past few years, top 20 teams, but they never get talked about. And it was like, I don't, what really upset me was I didn't think we needed all these teams from like the Big Ten or like the Pac-12 to not be playing to see all these teams that were so good. It was, and it was great to finally see like Liberty and Coastal Carolina and, and UC, they finally got, and Marshall, they got the recognition that they deserved. But um, they, they've been good for years. They just haven't been seen. So it was great that they finally got that recognition, got that um, national stage view. But it shouldn't have had to happen that way, in my opinion. And I don't, th- I don't want to say that's the same thing for college basketball because it's, it's not the same. It's, it's this happened for years. Like there's always those little teams that you never really think of. Like for example, number twenty-five this year is right, currently is Drake. And Drake's always been good. And they've been ranked a little bit around, but it's like, what happens if some of these other teams were playing? Would they not be ranked or whatever? It was like, this is, and I've like seen all these other teams coming out of nowhere that still aren't ranked. But at the same time, this is, this is college basketball. It's always happened. This isn't a new thing with COVID, which is, which I'm very happy. That's why everyone loves college basketball, loves the 2014 bracket. Um, like, there's teams that are unranked. Like, for example, I'm looking at stuff right now. Like, um, Minnesota is not ranked right now. Xavier's not ranked right now. Those are two teams who are insanely good. I mean, they've surprised me. Minnesota's not the best offensive. They're not the strongest team. They're not the biggest team. They're nothing. But the way they play and the way they their chemistry works, it's just mind-boggling. They're one of the best teams in the nation. Yeah, Xavier, Xavier's made a blue shoot, lights out as usual. Usually, well, I shouldn't say lights out. I mean, they, they've had a few games where they scored under 50 and so on. But, I mean, you, you get the idea. <laughs> they, they, they're still shooting Xavier style. I mean, they're, they're going to find ways to win, even with a second left. Xavier's going to be Xavier. I mean, is Louisville even ranked right now? I think I just thought they weren't ranked. Yeah, I mean, Louisville's... Great, and I mean they've had a few recent losses, but the, St. Louis just got dropped from the rankings. They're good. I mean, there's a lot of great teams this year. I think this bracket for March Madness will be the hardest one to predict for a little while because I mean the amount of teams that are good this year is insane. Like the entire Big Ten, the entire Big Twelve. Those are those are the best two conferences right now. I mean, they, there's no stopping them right now. They're 10 times better than the FCC right now. And there, and there's just a lot of great teams coming out. Of it. I get those at power conferences. I try to say, oh, there's a lot of great teams coming out of nowhere. Then I mentioned two power conferences, power five. Though it's like power six, 
with basketball, but you get you get the idea. It's great. There's a lot of great teams coming out of every little corner of the nation this year. And, I mean, you're going to see some teams that don't make the NCAA tournament that were probably deserving of it, but maybe not more than some other teams, which we see with everything. But I want to give you some of my top eight teams where they could, will make the Elite Eight and get, give it a good run in the playoffs this year. My first two are going to be very obvious, Gonzaga and Baylor. Gonzaga is currently the number one team in the nation. They've been all year. Um, for, for years, I've given crap to Gonzaga. I've doubted them. I've said there's no way they're even that good. There's no reason they should be ranked that high in the tournament. They don't play anyone in the West Coast Conference. I mean, when you play Pacific, do you, I mean, you're playing like teams like Pacific. The only team in the West Coast Conference that's really even decent is St. Mary. Not, not even decent. They're, they're a solid program, St. Mary's. I'll give them that. But, I mean... When you're playing teams like Pacific, what what the hell, man? I mean, how do we think of this team as being so good? But you watch Gonzaga this year, and even they were good before they got the transfer from Florida. They were insanely good. They had a lot of shooting, they had a lot of defense, they had a lot of they've had a, they had some quick players. And then they get that stud from Florida, and that was the cherry on top. I mean, Gonzaga right now is looking like. One, it's looking like the best team in the country all year, and I got to give them credit for their schedule too. I mean, they played a lot of great teams. They played Iowa, they played West Virginia for two examples, who have been ranked all year and they've been outstanding. And I mean, West Virginia gave them a little bit of a run. Iowa gave them a slightly, not as much of a run, but you know, a run. And you can say, I guess they'll find ways to get out in front and win those games. They're a great team this year. They'll find ways. To stay with you the whole game. If you're going to score, they're going to score right back with you. If you miss, they might miss too. But they're going to find ways as soon as you, like, you know, there's different points in the game where a team will not be shooting as well. They're, they're going to go like five minutes without many points. Like they might get like two points in five minutes. And that, that's, that's going to be the time Gonzaga explodes on you and gets that lead to where they won't give it back. Like you may be able to try to get back within so many points. Like you're up, they're up eight. You might be able to get it back within four, but they're going to keep jumping out in front, keep scoring when you score. And that's why I think Gonzaga is going to be one of the best teams in the nation this year because he, um, they're, they're going to get sent for a national title here. Um, but my number one team in the nation is Baylor. I, I personally think they're the best team in the nation. They don't have the best offense. like, But in my opinion, they're, they're not the best offense. But their defense is outstanding and stellar. It's it's got to be the greatest defense I've seen in college basketball in years, and, and I'm dead serious about that. I mean, when you watch Baylor's defense, you you see teams like Texas who just and they just steamroll Texas, and Texas has been scoring in the, in the high 70s every game this year, and a great Big 12 conference. I mean, the Big 12 is stacked this year, and Baylor's. Steamrolled Texas, who scored a lot. I mean, when when Texas scores a lot on teams in the Big Twelve, and then you steamroll that team and keep them the very like, low scoring, considering what they what they've done, and seeing that they like Texas gave them a little bit of a run in the first half. I remember that game; they, they stayed with them, and then that second half they exploded. And Baylor kept going; like they never stopped. Like the game never like went to halftime. They just kept going. They just kept scoring every second. 
and Texas was off to a slower start, and there's just no way to come back from that because even when I say Baylor's offense isn't the best in the nation, it's still insanely good, especially when they're out on a run and they're out in the fast break, they're out in transition. It's, it's some of the best you've ever seen in the country, of course. That's why they're number two, and I think they're number one because of that defense and the way they've been able to play with each other, that chemistry. It's insane to watch them play. When you watch them against Illinois at the beginning of the year, before the year turned over to 2021, um, that was going to be one of the greatest games. of the. That's one of the best games of the year. Well, at least it was supposed to be. Um, that's when Illinois was ranked in the top 10 as well. I think they were, actually. They might have been like 11, but it is what it is. Illinois stuck with them at the first half. They, they might have been up by one at halftime. I think it was a one-point game at halftime. And then the second half was like Illinois just forgot to show up. It was it was and it wasn't even like they played awful. It was Baylor steamrolled them. I mean, it was a one point game. They ended up winning by like they went almost won by twenty. That game was insane to watch. I mean, you watch a great game. You see Illinois making shots left and right, finding ways to stay with Baylor. Baylor finding ways to stick with them. So you're thinking it's going to be a last second shot. This is going to be this going to come into the final 30 seconds of the game. It's going to be a free throw, free throw finish. And no, uh, Baylor just comes over, gets their steamroller, starts plowing it forward, and Illinois just doesn't get out of the way. Like, I mean, I just, I just think Baylor is. Almost too much of a match for anyone this year. They're insane to watch. What that what they've been able to overcome, what they've been able to build, that coach has done over there, props to him. I mean, they've been able to recruit some of the most some of the best teams in the eight some of the some of the best players out of nowhere. I mean when when they come from nothing, coming the last place in the Big Twelve, but then a few years later being my number one team in the nation. That's just that's something you can't scoff at. I mean, that's something to be said there. Um, and this, and I'm just saying, teams who I think are, and by the way, with the teams in the Elite Eight, not in any particular order, just when I see them and when I feel like, the, yeah, you get it. <laughs> the next one would be Michigan, actually. Michigan's easy Sweet 16. I think they're going to make the Elite Eight. Um, once again, one of the most explosive teams in the nation. Um, they just got to keep keep up the defense. Honestly, They're, they'll let teams get up a little bit. But like when you see the Wisconsin game, that's the best game they played all year. They were up by almost thirty at one point. Michigan will score on you everywhere. I mean, I think this is the one of the them and Gonzaga would probably give Baylor's defense the best run for their money this year, in my opinion. It would be those two. Um, Michigan's offense has been very explosive this year. It's been great to see them get out and run, and they've been able to stop teams on the defensive side of the ball. They've been able to find ways to transition quickly without anyone in front of them to stop them, which is one of the best things in college basketball. When you get out in transition and you get there with maybe a two-on-one, one-on-zero, just get out there on your own, that's what wins the games. And Michigan's been able to find ways to do that. Of course, they're a one-loss team in a, in, a, in a Big Ten that's absolutely stacked. Big Ten's got Iowa, Ohio State, Illinois, 
Michigan State. Michigan State's a little shaky. I still think they're a little overrated this year, but they're still very good. I mean, Penn State, I think, is underrated. And they haven't won, but Penn State can shoot. And if you let them shoot, then adios. I mean, you're, you're, you're a goner. So I think they have a chance of actually upsetting a few teams in the tournament this year. But Michigan in transition, top top three team in the nation right now, especially with the way they're playing. I mean, I think I, I, I wouldn't call them a top three team in the nation. I think there's a lot of teams technically quote unquote better than, but the way they play together, the way they've been playing, they're just they're just one of those top teams, and they just can't be slowed down right now. Next, I got to go with Texas. Texas has been stellar in the Big Twelve. Um. Of course, Baylor. I think Baylor's the only team ahead of them in the Big Twelve. They've been absolutely outstanding in there. Once I, again, I said they've been scoring a lot, and a lot of the Big Twelve teams have been scoring a lot. It's like football. There's no defense, <laughs> but um, they, they've been great this year. They've been finding ways to win. They've been coming back through a lot of adversity. Um, Texas is a great team this year, and I think it's going to be a struggle for any team to um, to beat them. So I'm going to try to slim this down a little bit. I'm getting a little long. trying to keep this a shorter part today. Um, my next team with a low bias is Iowa. They're, they're, they're an Elite Eight team. They always find ways to get past the first few rounds, no matter how bad they are in the, um, in the playoffs. But they're insane this year. They've got Luka Garza. They've got Wieskamp. They've got Bohannon. They... Their team is stacked, and they can shoot. The greatest part about Iowa right now is the fact that you've got Garza inside, who's the best player in all of college basketball right now. There's no doubt about that. It, I mean, it, I can't. I can't even think of players who are better than than, than Garza. I mean, he, he's he's the best player. Just, just no conversation. He's the best player. And then you got shooters on the outside. You've got. Bohannon, you've got Wieskamp, you've got um, McCaffrey, you've got all those guys. This Iowa team's been able to go out, and the greatest part is the amount of options they have on offense, the amount of ways they can score, they can go out and shoot. And, like, so, like, when you're on defense, you want to go out there and stop their shooters. They're one of the the better shooting teams in the nation. They've got one of the best shooters in all of the Big Ten, Jordan Bohannon. And then you go out there to guard them. And then, boom, they throw it right inside the Garza. Then he's got a layup. And so you're going to guard Garza now, and they come down, and boom, now they shoot it. So it's like it's almost impossible to guard these guys at one time. And they've got enough guards on their team, so when you run a man against them, they're going to drive right past you. So they're going to find ways to set a screen and get a three. So the best part about Iowa is that offense. When that offense is on, there's no one stopping them. Now you see they're, they've got three, four losses in the Big Ten, maybe. Um, and that's just because they, that, those were the days that they couldn't shoot. They, were, they, had, they had a few minutes in the game where they just weren't on, on the offensive side. And that's, what, that's where you win the game on the other side of the ball. So I think they're an Elite Eight team, but they're going to struggle for the national playoff this year. My next team would actually be Florida. Florida is um, the best SEC team this year. I have no doubt about that. I mean, you look at teams, Kentucky's not very good this year. They have Tennessee being number 11. My opinion is, I mean, you've seen Florida. They beat, they beat Tennessee. They beat 
West Virginia. I think I think this Florida team's the best in the SEC, and they've been severely underrated this year. Them and Florida State have been severely underrated. And I think Florida um, is always going to find a way around. They're, they're, very, they're a very balanced team, in my opinion. They're a little bit more offensive heavy, which most teams, are, when you think of every team, they're always a little bit more offensive heavy for the most part, usually. And that's that's usually what the better teams are. But um, and Florida's only ranked number two, 22 right now. They're going to get a decent seed. They're going to have a little bit of struggle there, but I think they can make it to the Elite Eight. And I think they're just a little underrated. They'll upset a team there on the way, too. They, we could even see them in the Final Four if they get lucky, but uh, I think they're an Elite Eight team. They're definitely um, being the Sweet 16. They're struggling for a spot in the Elite Eight, but um, I think that's as far as they make it. But they're a very balanced team, and it's hard to stop them. You gotta, you gotta be on your game. You gotta be able to be balanced on both sides as well. That's what they force you to do by being a balanced team. They force you to be offensively balanced as well as defensively balanced. They also run you up on one side. If you're not doing very good on the offensive side, then you're not gonna score at all against that Florida team. And they're trying to find ways to score against you because they're just gonna be good on both sides every game. But if you're gonna be ahead, um, you're gonna be very good on the offensive side, but not very good on the defensive side. Then you better, you better be scoring every shot you take because they're gonna score every shot they take. That's why I see Florida's one of the top teams. Um, and, and the rest is close for me. I mean, the, the teams I'm going to mention next would be like Kansas, Florida State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, um, hell, maybe even Illinois. And I got to say Villanova just for the fact that they'll probably get like a very good seed and get like nothing on the way there. But I. My gut tells me Villanova's going to get offside in, like, the Sweet 16 around the 32. Like, that's what that's what my gut tells me. I haven't seen them too much this year. I try not to watch too much of Villanova. I just, I just don't watch too much of it. Um, and they're, they're a good team, but something just tells me they're going to get upset this year, and that's just, that's just what I believe right now. Um, when I look at Houston's another team you got to mention. Houston, I just and something just tells me that they're going to be a sweet sixteen name and nothing much more. Um, I mean Ohio State, Ohio State's very good, but the amount of teams that are great this year, we could see like five teams in the like in the elite eight from one conference if 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 all fruition came possible and the rankings were set up that way. We could see them all from like the Big Ten or the Big Twelve. They're just insanely great conferences this year, and there's a lot of great teams, but I want to say Ohio State even gets in over Iowa at times, but it's like, even, and of course they beat them, but it was like, it, that one's just hard to judge, really. Like, I, I want like, you got to look at Oklahoma, Alabama. Alabama, I don't think can make it, and I don't think Oklahoma can make it too, but Oklahoma has been a little bit of a scare to all the Big 12 teams this year. Um, Illinois has been able to find ways here and there where they've lost too many. I just don't think they'll be able to stay strong enough throughout the playoffs. So, um, Texas Tech is good too, but they're going to find a team that's going to out out hustle them, out play them, out shoot them. Um, Creighton again, just I don't know. I just can't say. I just can't set. I just can't be set in stone for some of these teams. Like I, I want to say Kansas because they, they're there every year. But then again, there's so many great teams that can 
easily beat them. You look at West Virginia. I think West. I, I want to be a little biased. Say West Virginia's got one of the best chance there, but they've had a few games where they've struggled harshly. And um, even in those games, though, they play. They've been able to stay with teams. Like for example, the Florida game. They they played horrible. I mean, it, it wasn't. It, it's not debatable. They did not play a great game, but. They still found a way to stay in that game for the most part and bring it to the last 30 seconds, last 15 seconds, really. And um, and that's why I think West Virginia should be in the lead 18. There's no reason they shouldn't be. But when you think about that, every, they'll, they'll have those random bad games that usually in West Virginia style fashion that will usually happen in the NCAA March Madness tournament. So, hey, that, that random game might pop up there at the wrong time against the wrong team that's decent. That's not better than them, but they're decent enough to beat them, and, and that that just might be what happens. So, and those are your teams to look out for coming in the playoffs. Of course, hopefully, I get something out again closer to tournament time where I show who I think would be the national title contenders, winners. Hopefully, we get there. But right now, it's what I'm seeing in early February. And the last thing I have to mention is some MLB offseason. I don't want to cut. I don't. I don't want to make this a very long pod today. Um, so quickly, just some of the best off seasons right now. Some off season moves. The first, I mean, oh, there's an easy top three in my opinion. It would be the Mets, Padres, and Blue Jays. Um, and this isn't in any order, but the Mets. Um, first thing I mean, what they've been able to do with the new owner Stephen Cohen coming in. Um. He's been incredible so far, being able to find ways to sign and build a team that'll be great contenders in the NL this year. The NL's stacked right now. Then they've got the Dodgers. They've got, they have the Dodgers. They've got the Padres. They've got themselves the Mets. They've got the Braves, who's in their own division. Um, and it's a great NL. This, the NL East right now is turning into the NL Central. I mean, that's that's going to be a great division. You got the Nationals, who are but they. They've had a pretty good offseason too. Not as great. Not they haven't. And I'm I'm citing this greatness on the value they brought in and how much value they brought in. Like for example, the when we get to the Blue Jays, they brought in a lot of great value. The Padres the same. The Mets haven't brought in as much. I mean, they brought in a lot, but not as much. But that trade for Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco was absolutely mind-boggling. I mean, they probably got that for nothing. The Indians have not, they've traded away everything so far. They lost Brad Hand to the Nationals this year by um, free agency. They're just they're just losing everything they have in their arsenal. And, and then they trade away that for a few prospects who no one knows if they're even going to be good or not. So, I, I feel, I mean, congrats to the Mets on that trade. I mean, kudos to you guys. And you were, and they were last place runners for, um, for Trevor Bauer going that far with one of the best pitchers in the league, I, some people say he's overrated. I I don't care. I, he's still a great pitcher. Um, and of course he went to the Dodgers. And, that's as a Reds fan, we knew we weren't getting him back. We didn't have the money, but it's so rough to see him go. And I don't want to. Some people are trying to say he's like a snake, like KD, like what he did with the um, Thunder Warriors. But I mean, he's got sense. It's where he grew up. Where he went, to, he went to college there, UCLA. His parents lived there. He wants some ring. He wants some money. I mean, 
I mean, just good, good luck to him. And kudos, have fun playing with the best rotation in baseball. When you look at that rotation, I mean, think about this. They've got they've the only rotation in baseball with three former Sion winners, Trevor Bauer, Clint Kershaw, David Price. And then they've got Walker Bueller, who's probably better than David Price. They've got Julio Urias. Um, they've got, and that's their, that's their first five, apparently. Dustin May. If you remember Dustin May from last year, he's not even in it right now. And they've got another dude, I'm pretty sure. They've got seven, I can't remember the other dude's name, but they've got seven studs that can be a starting pitcher for him. This is like the one thing that does confuse me because Trevor Bauer wanted to be on that like three day rest thing. He wants to pitch as much as possible. You're not, that's not going to happen with those guys. They've got seven dudes who can start. They could throw one pitcher per World Series game if they play all seven. And, and it's just stacked. And, and then, of course, they've got the rest of the team. They've got Bellinger. They've got Mookie Betts. They've got um, – it's so hard to think about how, how – I mean, it's just mind-boggling. Their, their, their team's overly stacked, and they've got dudes who are still feeding into them. They've got – they can – it's it's like the Yankees. What I like to say, the GM, the best starting GM jobs would be like the Dodgers and the Yankees, because you get all the money in the world, you can spend it on whoever the hell you want. You can do whatever you want, and that's that's the principle. You can do whatever you want, and that's why I don't get the Yankees haven't been there, for the World Series and forever. Just start buying people, but I mean, whatever. I'm not complaining that they're not there. I'm just surprised. Of course, the Dodgers have been doing it right. Their their teams overly stacked. They're one of the best teams this year. When at least when you look at like people saying who they think is going to be the top teams in the NL, in the MLB, not even just the NL. Number one is the Dodgers. Number two is the Padres. They're in the same division. That division is stacked this year. They've got those two, um, and then the rest of it is um, the Rockies, Giants, and the Diamondbacks. And those teams are going to be. They're going to be there. They're going to be fine. They're going to be whatever. But those two are just going to absolutely run the division. There's there's going to be the only two that represent a division in the playoffs. Um, but you know, back to the Mets. We came all the way from the Mets to the Padres, and we'll go back to the Padres. But um, I mean, kudos to them for being doing what they've been able to do with a brand new owner. Um, it's just been incredible to see, and they'll be great runners. For the NL divisional games, maybe even an NL title, uh, they they could be there, especially depending on what side of the playoffs the Dodgers get on and the, the Padres and whether they have to see them at all and what all happens there. But I mean, when you think of the NL East, did the Mets even make it this year? Because they've got the Mets, the Braves, who are stunners. They they're, they're they're close to being my top five. I was going to do a top five for the offseason, but I could only really think of three that were truly there. And then the rest, there's a few more that was like on the verge, like the Braves and the Phillies. I think the Phillies were able to do some great stuff. They re-signed Ramuto, and then they got um, Eddie Rorius again. And um, the Braves brought in Marcelo Zuna yesterday. And they were able to sign Charlie Morton, which adds to an already stacked rotation. Young rotation, too. That is a very young rotation. So they've got a bright future ahead of them. They've got a Marlins team. Um, 
last year that showed that they can actually play with the wrestling MLB. They're good. And then um, I already mentioned the Phillies and the Nationals who were building up again. Uh, they got some great numbers back. Um, so, and the NL East is stacked this year. You can see, I think I think we're going back to the normal. Right now we're set for normal start time, normal playoffs. So really you're only going to see two teams from that division make it. But there's like, like the, I, I would say it would be the Mets and Braves, but the Marlins and Phillies could challenge maybe the Mets for that second place spot. And the Nationals too, but I just, with how stacked it is this year, they'll be competing with the Marlins for last place, unfortunately. And they're, they're a great team, I feel like, but the NL East is just stacked. They could even compete for third place with the Phillies. I don't know how good Philadelphia will be because Philadelphia is Philadelphia, and they will always find a way to suck. And that's the same thing with the Mets. Unfortunately, they'll find a way to suck. And I think I think they'll be good, but I, the Braves are going to be the number one team in that division. They're, they're insanely good. They've got a lot of young talent and a lot of underrated talent there. So the Braves should be your top team right now. Um, yeah, but the Mets have been doing great. Uh, the Padres had a great, great offseason. And I can't, this technically wasn't the offseason going for Mike Clevenger, but um, it was it was close enough, and it was basically one of those moves that was setting them up for next year. Getting that, and that's, of course, once again, the Indians just throwing everything out the window. I can't even mention how much they got. Their starting rotation is is insane also. That's why they're one of the best teams they've got. Who? Him? They've got Darvish, who was traded from the Cubs. And that was at, like, you think they already had so much, and that, like, they've got Blake Snell, who was traded from the Rays. And the Rays needed to get rid of something for some money. And I, I was surprised that it was Snell, but it, it needed to happen. Um, then they got Mike Clevenger before that. And then the Cubs decide, hey, we'll give you Darvish too for nothing. In Actually, they get quite a bit in return. They got they got a lot of a lot of return back. And I think they gave up like a catcher too. The Cubs, um, they they got some good, they got some decent stuff back. And then the Cubs have had a decent. They've been very active this offseason, but it hasn't been great. They've just given a lot of stuff up. They almost gave away Chris Bryant, I believe. Um, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. But they did sign outfielder. Jock Peterson away from the Dodgers, so and they'll be fine. They'll once again uh, compete well in a struggling NL Central this year, which hurts the say The NL Central has always been one of the best, and NL Central will still be decent this year. But with how stacked the NL this year, they're they're, they're only going to send one team, and I mean they'll still be competitive against each other, but it'll, it'll be it'll be fine. It'll be whatever they can do. It'll be between the the Cubs, Reds, and Cardinals for first place, and I, I think it'll really be between the Reds and the Cardinals. Um, Brewers probably be in third. Yes. Um, then my other team said one of the best off seasons would be who was number three? Oh my God! I was we went from the Mets to the Padres. The Phillies have had a decent one. Nationals decent. Braves, decent. I, the Dodgers, 
Reds are just stacked. They haven't really had too much of an offseason. They're just stacked. I wish the Reds have had a good offseason. They haven't done nothing. Um, oh, duh. The Blue Jays. I mean, the amount of crap they've brought in. For example, Kirby Gates. George Springer. Marcus Semyon. They stole Marcus Semyon from us. The Reds should have went out for him, but they didn't. Oh, but I am also, like, that's my number two team. My top two teams are the Reds and Blue Jays. Um, so, it's a little bit of bitter happiness, but, you know, they've added a lot of pitching this year. To in our, They already had some good pitching last year. Wasn't the greatest, but really was awful. They were really underrated in the NL, AL last year. I think I just actually said NL. Um, I think they're still a little underrated for the AL. A lot of teams are recognizing that they're going to be great. But I still think they're slightly underrated going into the season. And they've got a lot of great great players, great young talent there. And they just added a lot more, too. I mean, when you add uh, Kirby Yates to that, that bullpen, uh, you've got a lot to use there. You got They added more pitching. They added um, more fielding. They added more. They added a lot more bats, really. And that was the big thing. They needed like, two more bats. That's what they got. Like George Schringer and Marcus Simeon. And they added pitching, so they they added a, they made they went from a pretty solid team to a scary team in that AL East. The AL East is going to be very good too. They've got the Blue Jays, the Yankees. The Yankees always contend. They've got the Rays. The Rays are good. I mean, I think they'll still be good even with they they won't be the same, but I think they'll still be good. And then the Red Sox and the Orioles and the, the Orioles, the Orioles and the Red Sox are kind of getting. I think they're going to be a little better this year, but. Unfortunately, they're just not with those other three teams. And I mean, the Blue Jays adding that pitching and that, those bats is great. It's great for that team. It's great. They'll, they'll contend for the AL this year, for the AL title. And they'll be contending to get into the World Series. The AL is not as strong this year when you look at it. I mean, they've got the Rays and Yankees within their own division. they got to fight. The, if they fight their way through their own division, they'll be fine. Yeah, they, there's some other teams in there, like the, the White Sox have had a good, off, pretty decent offseason. They had a good one last year. This year's been whatever. I mean, they, but the A's, the Astros, and that, I mean, that's about it. I mean, the Rangers will exist. They won't even win their division. They ain't, I think I said the Rangers, and the Angels will exist, and, but they won't win their division. Yeah, I mean, the Blue Jays could easily win the AL this year. I mean, they, the, one of the teams that could actually contend that should in my mind is the Twins. They're very good. They've been good for years. They've just been, they've just been slipping right off the edge of the very end. They're so close to greatness. And I, I think sooner or later they got to go all in for this or else they're never going to get a World Series. But, you know, we'll see what happens here in the 2021 season. That should start on time, hopefully, unless they start like a, like a month late which I think they already declined that proposal. So, I, yeah. It is what it is. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. So, um, enjoy the game. Enjoy the commercials. <laughs> One of the most important part of the game is the commercials. It's the only time people actually watch them <laughs> instead of just sitting around and doing nothing. That'll be it for me today. So, thank you for joining the Underrated Thoughts Sports Podcast today. Make sure you stay up to date with every episode by following our social medias.
And that does it. Have a great day. Peace.